0: grab one in the pew, Uh, you can turn to uh, the Gospel of Mark chapter 8. And uh, I want to tell you about when I was in college. Uh, When I was in college, I minored in Spanish. Um, Don't try to talk to me in Spanish. Uh, I thought the language was neat and interesting, uh, but mostly I wanted to be a pastor when I grew up. And everyone told me. look, you need to do something for like marketable skills, okay? Because you may not get a full-time gig in this pastoring stuff. And so I thought, well, maybe this is kind of interesting to me and maybe I can study in Spanish and that'll make me more marketable in the marketplace if I'm bilingual or maybe I'll make more money than I would have in another job if I was bilingual. Uh, and so, in college, I majored in Spanish. I studied overseas a lot in Spanish-speaking countries, uh, and eventually, I did actually get to the point where I could, I could, t- if you would, if you would repeat everything you said at least once, I could have a conversation with you in Spanish. Okay, um, it was great. Um, but you know what? Uh, not one time have I ever like gotten a job because I could speak Spanish, right? I've never made one extra dollar in my entire life for working so hard to learn how to speak Spanish. In fact, uh, when I became a missionary in Romania, we were missionaries in Romania for two years, um, I I was trying to learn Romanian, and Romanian is like very, they're both Latin languages, very similar to Spanish. And I just, I got to the point where I just had to push all the Spanish out of my brain because it kept messing me up so I just like intentionally forgot all my Spanish um, and so so I don't speak any Spanish anymore uh, and uh, you know guess what not one time ever have I ever had any issue finding a full-time job in ministry so for what you know um, and so you know, this, this kind of becomes clear about my own journey, and, and I think it's, a, it's true about a lot of us that in our moments of uncertainty, like when we're uncertain about the future, or we're uncertain about what we should do kind of uh, in conflict, uh, maybe with someone that we love, in our moments of uncertainty, we choose the safety of preparing for scarcity over the risk of trusting in God's. Abundance. So, at first glance, that, that might sound like kind of a morally neutral thing, maybe a possibly even a good thing, like prepare for the worst, hope for the best, like that's okay, right? Maybe not a bad thing, but remember the college student who wasted lots and lots of time and money trying to earn this Spanish thing all for nothing. All to solve a problem that didn't even exist. I mean, when I was a young man, like there were lots of people around me who were getting full-time jobs in ministry, right? And uh, as time goes on, that will become even more and more of a, a thing. That's it's hard to find pastors. So the problem is this: that a scarcity mindset it ends up wasting resources and draining joy. Okay? The belief that the future is going to be scarce, the belief that resources are scarce, the belief that love and belonging is conditional and frail and therefore scarce, a scarcity mindset whatever it is, it ends up wasting resources and draining joy. And this morning I want to show you exactly how Jesus feels about this, okay, about what he sees you and I doing when we choose to prepare for uh, 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 scarcity instead of trusting in God's abundance, alright? So, uh, you know how sometimes people, they kind of lose their temper about something. Have you ever seen that happen? All right. they kind of just like fly off the handle. Uh, They finally just really chew someone out, right? Um, Because they just can't Take it anymore. Uh, okay, well, one time Jesus did that, and he was, he was uh, respectful about it, but he did that. And I want to tell you that story, and it, it comes from, from Mark chapter 8. And uh, as the story goes in Mark's gospel, uh, Jesus fed 5,000 people with almost no food around. Okay, I don't know if you remember that story when Jesus fed the 5,000 out in the desert with almost no food, all right? And then, after that, Jesus again fed 4,000 people with almost no food around. He did this two times, all right? Chef Boyard Jesus. He had this real knack for creating lots of food when there was nothing around, all right? So, now the disciples are in a boat, all right? And um, they're traveling across the lake in their boat with Jesus, and, and, and Jesus makes this passing comment about the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod, all right? He just, he just makes this comment. He says, beware of the yeast. And, and really, Jesus is just talking about, like, uh, not letting this kind of religious nationalism, this conspiracy of religion and state coming together, don't let that infect your thinking, like yeast. They, they had a different way of thinking about what yeast did. But he's just saying keep spirituality and, and government power separated. That's all Jesus was saying. But the disciples hear something totally different, all right? The disciples are so worried about not having enough, they're so worried about scarcity, right? that without realizing, they make up a problem that they cannot solve. Oh man, Jesus said something about yeast. He must be thinking about bread. He must be hungry. Oh, we didn't pack enough bread. We can't feed everybody. Oh no, Jesus is going to be so angry. Oh no, what are we going to do? They start solving problems that didn't even exist. And Jesus hears them, and this is what Jesus says, okay? This is what Jesus thinks about his followers possessing a scarcity mindset, all right? Starting in Mark chapter 8, verse 15. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And they discussed this with one another and said, Is it because we have no bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up after that? Leftovers. And the disciples are like, well... And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of leftovers did you pick up? Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? I mean, you can hear Jesus just lecturing his disciples, right? Jesus is incredulous. He cannot believe their lack of trust. He cannot believe how easily they have forgotten how he fed the 4,000 when there was almost nothing to feed them with. He cannot believe how easily they have forgotten how he fed the 5,000 before that with almost nothing in front of them. He cannot believe how we plan for the future, thinking there will be no bread. He cannot believe how we form our decisions, okay, uh, based on what we lack or what we think we lack instead of what is possible through trust. I mean, this scarcity mentality, this focus on what is not there or what might not be there, okay? It causes the disciples to worry about a problem that literally doesn't even exist. Jesus didn't even ask for bread to eat. He just made this passing comment about the yeast of religious nationalism. And this is what a scarcity mindset does to your brain. It causes you to start addressing problems that don't even exist. It causes you to do all this stuff to learn Spanish because you think it will save you from going hungry one day. The scarcity mindset requires no trust in God or anyone else, does it? Okay, it's this big self-reliance thing. but. A scarcity mindset ends up wasting resources and draining joy, okay? And this is what Jesus sees you and me doing, okay? This is what he sees like all 7 billion of us doing all the time. And he wants to pull out his hair over it. Working up a sweat to solve problems that don't even exist. Because you cannot trust in the abundance God has for you right there, okay? You're walking through life with this upside-down smile, Missing out on so much joy in your home and in your life because you're so fixated. Your vision is so tunneled in, okay, on preparing for the worst-case scenario. You're so primed for trouble that even when there isn't trouble, you think there's trouble. Even when Jesus isn't asking for a sandwich, you leap to the conclusion that he is, and it's time to freak out because you don't have any sandwich stuff. You see what your anxious mind wants you to see. You pay attention to the details that you want to pay attention to. A scarcity mindset, it can waste resources and drain your joy. And you can hear the exasperation in Jesus' voice, can't you? I mean, how how many questions does he ask right there? Because your heavenly Father, his desire for your life is to live a life full of joy. A life that can experience joy in all of the things, okay? Just mundane chores around the house, driving around town. Joy in all of just the mundane things of life. Joy even in those moments, those seasons of your life that are marked by sorrow and sadness, even then. So what is driving Jesus up the wall on this boat that doesn't have a wall in it? is that Jesus knows this really, really big theological truth about your life, okay? And if you just knew it, if you just believed it, if you would just trust it, it would make things so much better for you and all the people that got to live with you. You want to know what the truth is? No one God has abundance for you in every time and place. That's it. God has abundance for you in every time and place. Jesus is in this boat. He's giving these disciples this really, really good advice for the life. He's saying, look, the the people around you are saying that religion and state, Judaism and government, they should, like, come together because that way religious people can use uh, power to assert their own moral values onto other people and have a more religious society. But beware of that thinking. Don't let it get into your thinking because actually that's a really, really destructive path. And Jesus was right about that. That's a good point, Jesus. And it's too bad the disciples missed it. The disciples cannot hear Jesus wisdom. They miss out on something really good, some really important wisdom for their life because they're so locked into a scarcity mindset, this fear that there isn't enough. They cannot hear, they cannot think, they cannot see, and they send themselves on a wild goose chase to fix a problem that doesn't exist, and they miss out on God's abundance right there. So the message is this. Trust in God's abundance, right where you are, my friends. God is a generous God. Our Creator is a generous Creator who has created a world abundant with goodness. And so time and time again, the people who believe uh, in a brighter and bigger future the people who take some risk on pursuing the higher thing in, their mo- in the moments of their days, the people who believe in pursuing higher things in their relationships, higher things in their career, P- those people who are trusting that God is going to provide every step of the way, and even when things are you know, deep down in the valley of the shadow of death, they have the trust to see abundance and blessing and grace right there. Trust in God's abundance right where you are. Uh, College is the perfect example of a chance to trust in God's abundance. We put all this pressure on kids to go to college so they can get trained for a job and make a lot of money. But that's wrong. Because young people need to pursue whatever they're curious about. So someone might not be curious about anything at all. In college. Maybe trade school is a better fit for them because that's what's interesting to them. Right? And someone might need to go to college and you know, maybe something like business or finance is like interesting to them, but maybe that's not interesting to them. And they need to study something like Chinese art or something random like that. Whatever it is, if you just pursue whatever is interesting to you eventually you're going to find a way to integrate that into a career. Okay? If you you find those things that are interesting and you're passionate about them, eventually God is going to use that in a really unique and powerful way in this world. I think that the way of Jesus for college students and their parents and their teachers is this, trust in God's abundance and set them free to be curious. Okay? So I minored in Spanish, all right? But at the same time, I studied English and theology and New Testament Greek and psychology and music, all right? Uh, I graduated. They gave me this diploma, this piece of paper. said, oh, it's just a poo-poo platter of all the things. That's what you studied, all right? And, you know, I'm like reading novels and poetry and studying, you know, psychologists and music and all these... And those random things informed my ministry as a pastor way more than studying Spanish ever did. Trust in God's abundance and be free to follow your curiosity. Set your kids free. Set your students free to be curious. When you feel uncertain, trust in God's abundance. Okay? It's not just college or disciples on a pontoon boat and forgot to pack a lunch. Think about your family life with this, with this message. All right? How are you going to show up for your spouse or your kids or your parents or your family? Okay? So uh, all of us had moments when we were kids. Some of us had more. Some of us had less. When we felt like love was conditional or frail or scarce, love was something you had to fight for, something you had to hoard. Okay? And so now we're trying to play this part of wife or husband or kid or dad or sibling or mom or whatever. And we have these moments of uncertainty. Okay? Moments of conflict, moments of ambiguity, whatever, whatever it is. And when that happens, all right, maybe you start trying to solve problems that don't actually exist. Maybe you start trying to solve fixed people that don't need to be fixed. And whatever it is you're going through today, I want to ask you, how are you going to show up for your family when you feel uncertain? Will you trust in God's abundance? Trust that God will bring an abundance of love and affection and safety right where you are. This is a word about joy today, okay? Trusting that abundance is available to you in every time and in every place. Trusting that there is a future you trusting that love is available to you trusting that joy is available to you no matter what you're going through or what you're doing this mindset of trust unlocks joy in your life when you feel uncertain trust in god's abundance so there's just this one thing i want you to think about doing this week okay Uh, you think about these disciples in this boat in this moment of uncertainty um, uh, panicking about this problem that doesn't exist, this week you're going to have a moment of uncertainty, alright, when you're not sure about what's next and uh, you, maybe you're in a big conflict, some kind of big mess, whatever the ambiguous moment is that presents itself, you don't feel so certain right? and maybe you think you know what you need to do you know, you know how you need to react to this situation I want you to do this instead stop and ask this question alright, I want you to stop and ask yourself a question. What would I do if I trusted that God was going to abundantly provide? Okay, stop and ask yourself that question, right? I think that's how you run with this story. And that's that, that providence, okay, what God's gonna provide, that, that abundance. It might look like what would I do if I trusted God that God was gonna provide me with an abundance of love and affection? in my marriage or in my family or whatever it is, okay? What would you do differently if you trusted that in those uncertain moments, okay? That providence might look like, what would I do if I trusted that God was providing me with an abundance of opportunities in my future career, okay? What would you do differently if you trusted God in those kinds of uncertain moments? And that providence might look like, look, uh, times are really tough right now. I face this tragedy. I lost this. My health is doing this, Okay? What would I do if I trusted that God was providing me with an abundance of goodness and blessing and grace, even right here? God is a generous, generous God, my friends. And God has created a good world for you to live in. And don't you see how a life of trusting God, His abundance, no matter what you're going through, it unlocks a life of steady joy for you and the people around you, something you can share with the people around you, right? The world that we live in is starving for joyful people, and joy is contagious. So I really want to invite you this morning to trust in God's abundance so that you can be that person of joy. I mean, you can't just fabricate joy. You can't just force joy. Joy follows trust. Let's go to a time of prayer together, shall we? Loving and generous, God, you are always so good to us. Only if we can rest and breathe and trust in the goodness that is right in front of us. Lord, help us to, to trust you and to trust that abundance is made available to us through you. Give us the faith to see that, Lord, so we can share your joy with the world around us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Listen, this morning I want to invite you, if you've never confessed Jesus as the Lord of your life, I invite you today to make that confession. This is a place that is bringing people closer to Jesus and closer to one another. And if you're not an active member of any congregation, I invite you to to join uh, this good place here on the corner of Preston and South Main. I'll be standing right down there as we sing together.